Hello everybody, you are tuned in to the podcast which is called Ukraine War Decoded. I'm Viktor Kovalenko, a former Ukrainian journalist and veteran who lives in the United States. My guest today is Dr. Lawrence Haar. He is a senior lecturer in finance at the School of Business and Law at Brighton University in England. Besides academic achievements, Dr. Har has experience working with major banks, energy and mining companies, as well as in financial regulation with the authorities in the United Kingdom. My first question to Dr. Har is about the effectiveness of the Western sanctions on energy commodities from Russia, like oil and natural gas. Such countermeasures were designed in response to the Russian war in Ukraine to force the regime of Vladimir Putin to pay a huge and even unbearable price. But is this enough to force Moscow to stop the war? Russia receives its primary income from exporting commodities, particularly oil, and some other metals, right? They're probably earning close to a billion a day from the um, commodity exports. And that is the only source of revenue for the country, for Putin's regime and for the horrible things he's doing in, in Ukraine. To the extent that we make it more difficult, we raise the price of capital, we force them to discount as oil and any other commodities which might come out of Russia, those are desirable. Will they end the war? I don't think so. He has a lot of capital reserves, um, which he's burning through pretty rapidly. But Russians, it's almost a question of how much pain and deprivation he's willing to impose upon his own people. The next question, Dr. Har, how dependent the European Union is on Russian oil? The global markets are 100 million barrels a day. Um, oil will find its way to market regardless. And oil ownership and oil exports are often swapped and resold and sold again on the high seas um, to, to minimize transfer costs. And people might um, might have different refinery configurations, high sulfur or something more. Low sulfur crude, heavier crudes, lighter crudes. It's a very, very complex and interesting market. The Russian euro's crude now is being discounted by about 30%. It's going to India and to China. Um, it will find its way to market. So to, to the extent that we are forcing to discount his crude oil exports. That's desirable, but it'll still find its way to market. The UK receives about 6% of its oil from Russia. The European Union was directly getting about 25-30% of its oil from Russia and some products. But again, oil markets are very flexible. So the amount of actually crude oil that will enter Europe and the amount of refined products which will enter Europe will probably not change very much. The biggest problem is natural gas, because there we have the pipelines. Let's talk about the natural gas that Russia sells to the European Union. If Europe begins the process of completely refusing to buy this energy commodity, it won't be easy for Moscow to continue earning money by selling this to someone else, because it needs time and investments to build new pipelines. Natural gas is, because of the pipelines, it gives the European Union much more leverage. But of course, it's, it's a hard leverage because you're also requiring your own people to make sacrifices. In Germany right now, for example, all the municipal uh, swimming pools are being closed because keeping water warm and pleasant requires lots and lots of energy. Many other places are, are feeling the pinch and they're required to devote uh, making sure they have enough gas, natural gas come winter. So in terms of leverage, uh, hurting Russian exports of gas is most desirable. Eventually, Russia will probably resort to tanker trains, pressurized, bring gas pipelines to the east, and maybe selling it to, to LNG markets globally from far, from distant from Siberian Russia. So the gas markets are where, because of the fixed line nature of the gas pipelines, we have much more leverage. Here is another aspect of European energy security. 
Starting from February, many Western companies that provided technical support and equipment for the extraction of natural gas in Siberia, they left Russia. Then we saw an accident on the Russian pipeline, and currently Russia decreased the volumes of gas supplied to Europe. So, to survive the winter, European countries should find alternative sources of natural gas, for example, to increase supplies of liquefied gas, so-called LNG. And more LNG is being exported from America now. The UK has several import LNG terminals. France has an import terminal. Uh, Germany is building one as quickly as possible. So those are all desirable efforts. There's a possibility to get more gas from Nigeria. It can come across the Mediterranean. Those are all good things. And looking closer to home, it would be very desirable if Germany would stop playing games and actually start producing its own natural gas. It has potentially large volumes of natural gas as, you, as they have coal. But the green movement and environmentalists in, in Germany have bottled up that gas for a long time, just as uh, some of the fracking potential in the UK is bottled up. Thankfully, now through Boris Johnson, the offshore gas in the UK is going to be produced. There's a large, uh, probably 70 million barrels of oil equivalent could be produced from the islands of the Faroe Islands in Scotland. All the gas potential uh, could be produced. But again, Europe has um, lots of natural gas potential. Romania, many, many decades ago, Hitler and Hitler's army invaded through Romania uh, because of its oil and gas exports. But Poland and Germany have natural gas potential. I'd like to know your opinion, Dr. Har, about the financial implications of the Russian war in Ukraine. For example, how the default of Russia in June can impact the ability of Moscow to finance this war. Russia has the wherewithal presently to service its debt. The reason there was a default issue recently turning rupees into dollars to service the debt. So when you look at the creditworthiness of somebody, you look at the probability of default, the exposure at default, and the loss given default. I think Russia will want to, they will service the debt, but then of course the basic question is, what's the point? If they have no further access to capital markets, nobody else will lend them money, what's the point of paying back the money you have? They have the money, don't pay it back. They can be bloody-minded. By constraining their Actually, the capital markets and foreign exchange markets, we can, again, make things difficult for Russia. But as I said, the default issue to me is not an issue. They have the money and they don't have to pay it back. It's a question is, what does it mean for the future and their credit worthiness? And no Deutsche Bank, Societe Generale, any UK bank, of course, will not be lending any fresh money to Russia. My next question is about the high numbers of inflation in the United States this year. Here are official numbers. Two years ago, in June, the US inflation was less than a percent. Last year, in June, it grew to a dangerous 5.4%. And in June of 2022, inflation in the US jumped to 9.1%. I know that the underlying factors for this acceleration are not because of the Russian war in Ukraine, But at the same time, defense expenses and sanctions on Russia contribute to the high inflation numbers anyway. Am I right? Let's be careful what I mean by inflation. Inflation overwhelming is a monetary phenomenon. There's a massive credit growth in the United States. Uh, there was a, literally a wall of money under Mr. Biden. Trillions of dollars were created. Professor Lawrence Summers, who was part of the Obama administration and other people, were dead set against that. 
And there were Democrats in America who actually strongly opposed the largesse and, and so-called COVID spending that the uh, Biden administration went ahead with many billions, right? It was it was bailing out unions, it was bailing out pensions, it was bailing out many cities and states that are poorly managed. COVID with many states was a pretext. So in the United States, let's look first at dollar inflation. First, you have increase in demand because of credit creation. Too much money facing to too few goods. Um, and then the amount of goods and services that are actually out there were being were being truncated because um, of these anti-supply side policies, which the Biden government has pursued. Uh, particularly in oil and gas markets, they've slow walked, as they say, leasing on federal lands. They made it very hard for anybody to export oil and gas across America. Um, and oil and gas feeds through everything, whether it's the price of um, vanilla flavoring, Lycra shorts, nylon stockings, plastic toys for children, motor car tires, a can of baked beans. It all requires energy. So by increasing foolish demand side policies, um, creating credit by the Biden government, combined with even more equally foolish supply side, reducing supply has had a big cost impact on has increased inflationary pressures. First one is a monetary phenomena, the demand side uh, effect, which increased liquidity, increased credit, basically printing money, right? Whereas the supply side effects, which are anti-supply side, actually constricting growth and supply have had their effects. So those have contributed to what we call to inflation. In addition, the situation with Ukraine, we see the effects on agricultural prices. Ukraine, as you well know, being from the country since Roman times, has been a major breadbasket grain exporter. So um, I believe Ukraine produces about 45% of world grains. These have exacerbated matters. So you have bad monetary policy in America, bad supply side policy, freaking energy and oil markets, and then we have the effects of the war. All these things together um, are making things uh, difficult from a consumer standpoint. Continuing our talk about inflation, I will quote U.S. President Joe Biden. At the beginning of June, he said that energy alone comprises nearly half of today's inflation numbers in the United States. Therefore, to counter inflation, America needs to increase the energy supply to the domestic market. There's people in the political left in America who actually want to see higher oil prices. They want to see higher petrol prices, gasoline prices, because they know that the cost of subsidizing renewable energy, and it does require subsidies because it's actually very expensive on a cost on a per unit basis. And therefore, the strategy of many people on the green left across Europe, the UK and America is to actually make oil more expensive. So the yes, he's correct that oil and energy, the price of baked beans, the price of uh, prepared foods, the price of fertilizer, all those things are affected by um, oil and energy. But there's been anti-supply side policies, which the present government in America is pursuing and making it very, very difficult to obtain leases on federal lands, making more and more lands, so-called protected areas where the oil industry cannot produce or cannot um, explore. And those things are actually are making matters of exacerbated situation. So we all know that Mr. Biden's approval ratings are very, very low, uh, some of the lowest in history, and he's looking for scapegoats for the situation. And the oil industry is a convenient one. 
I mean, blaming gasoline station owners in America for raising prices as he did recently is ridiculous. Selling gasoline is a very unpopular business. The reason they sell gasoline is because they make more money selling milk and selling a loaf of bread than they sell them making gasoline. The margins of gasoline are actually terrible, and which is why the oil companies in America, they they'll have, they typically have a convenience store at a petrol station because they know that there's more money in selling bread than milk than it is in selling petrol. It is not a very profitable business, retailing petrol. Dr. Har. What is better for countering Russia, embargo on fossil fuels, even a partial embargo, or a price cap on the barrel of Russian oil? You just said that the oil will find its way to market anyway. I don't believe a price cap is workable in a very large, complicated market. We would like to find a way to reduce the revenues which Russia is earning from oil, um, because as I said, we're going to see their natural gas sales will be reduced in time. But to try to finding a way to reduce their crude oil revenues would be ideal, but it's very, very difficult because oil is sold and resold many times. Tankers change names. There's many trading houses like Trafigura, Vital, and other ones, Mercure and um, Cargill, which sell and resell oil. And oil is mixed as well. So there are countries which are going to naturally take advantage of the situation, China in particular, and even India, which, of course, is an ally to the West. But their energy ministers have been told to buy as much as you can cheaply. So it's a cynical world, and people are taking advantage of the situation. So in answer to your question, I don't think price caps are workable. in a very large, complicated market. It would probably lead to shortages. But the best way is to try to uh, put pressure on our friends, uh, like India, to not take advantage of the situation, not purchase a Russian oil at a discount. And as for China, of course, we have no power to change their behavior. Unless we want to interdict Russian ships in the high sea, the uh, U.S. government has done that to Iran in the past. When Iran was tr- bringing petrol refined products to Venezuela, which may seem strange because they have the, the largest crude oil reserves in the, in the world. So actually, America did interdict Iranian ships. So I think the only answer would be to, on the high seas, any ship that we suspect has crude oil from Russia should be stopped. At this moment, I will end this episode of the podcast The Ukraine War Decoded. My name is Viktor Kovalenko, and I am a former Ukrainian journalist and military veteran. My guest today was Dr. Lawrence Har from the School of Business and Law at Brighton University in England. Please support my podcast by donating to my PayPal. In the description, you can find the hyperlink through which you can donate and help me make the next interesting episodes. Goodbye for now and so long.